Welcome to Bookaholics, the Paris Institute for Critical Thinking's podcast series dedicated to books. In this series, we introduce you to some recent and relevant books, our own books, and obviously classic books that we just can't stop talking and teaching about. My name is Christoph van Houten, and in this episode of Bookaholics, it is my great pleasure to be joined by a good friend of Pit, Felix or Muracho, to talk about his latest book, The Formation of the Modern Self, Reason, Happiness, and the Passions from Montaigne to Kant, published by Bloomsbury Academic. Hello, Felix, and welcome. Thank you. Great to be here, Christoph. Now, Felix, um, as we are used here in Bookaholics, we always give the first word to the author. You wrote the book, so who better than you can tell us what it is about and what you hope to achieve with it? Yes, thank you. Um, well, I mean, uh, as you say, it, 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 the title is the, the formation of the modern self, and I mean, what I'm I'm interested in is first and foremost the question of the self as a philosophical question, um, and as I understand it, it's a question uh, which is both an operative and a thematic uh, a theme or or, or or issue for philosophers. In other words. Um, philosophy is concerned with the self not only um, as, as a concept to work out the, the notion of the self, but also the self is implicit in the very act of philosoph philosophizing itself. Um, and I think this is true if you look at the, at the ancient world, if, if, you, if, you, if you, you look at the, particularly at the Stoics, but also in the Platonic corpus, uh, you can see this. But it becomes thematic. It becomes um, a, a, a central issue in in modernity, particularly uh, with the work of Montaigne. And 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 so what I try to do is chart that from Montaigne onwards. Mm. Um, and and so I, I look at the philosophers, uh, the certain philosophers of Montaigne, Descartes, Pascal, Spinoza, uh, Hume, and Kant, and try to work through both how they are thematically understanding the self and what kind of self, so to speak, is implicit in, uh, in their texts. Um, and, and one of my kind of basic claims is that the self becomes uh, such a, a central theme in modernity because of the crises out of which modernity arose. And uh, one of the kind of the, the consequences of that is a, a feeling of uncertainty, um, and and I and, and as I understand it, the the turn to the self is a, is a way of finding an anchorage, finding a um, a, a point of orientation um, within a, a time and with a, within a climate, an intellectual climate, a religious climate, a political climate that was uh, uncertain and and unclear. So. What, what I then try to show is that despite a certain reading of the mod, of modern philosophy, um, these philosophers were actually fundamentally concerned with the self in respect of the good life. Mm. So in other words, that they're, 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 the question of the self for them was a question also of how to live well um, within the world. Um, and, and so questions of, of happiness, but also questions of salvation um, were, uh, were, 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 were central 
in 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 their work, I think. Um, and so that's what I try to that's what I try to chart. And and what I hope is that you know this will this book kind of uh, contributes to the discussion of modernity and 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 perhaps kind of will will help to kind of open up um, the um, our our concept or our, um, our, our image of the of modern philosophers. Okay, thank you. Now, it was Heidegger who once said that every book basically only has one main point or main argument. One can disagree with Heidegger, but I think that there is certainly one fundamental point that can be considered as the red thread in your book, and that is the interaction of four different different philosophical currents, if one wants, in the formation of the self in some of the more important modern philosophers, the ones you already named. Now, the list of these four so-called sources of the self are the Augustinian source, the Pelagian source, the Stoic source, and the skeptic source. Now, considering the importance of this main argument for your book, I would like to ask you three questions here, or better, I would like to ask you two questions and make one comment. And please do feel free to respond to them in any order or disorder that you like. So the first question would then be, could you please explain a little bit more these four sources and give some uh, somewhat general explanation of the because of their protagonism for the becoming of the modern self. And secondly, would the various Montaigne, Descartes, Pascal, Hume, Spinoza and Kant, the main protagonist of your work, would they have accepted the subdivision of their thought along these four pillars? Uh, basically, are these four pillars necessary for the understanding of the moderns you treat or are they contingent? And, and this contingency obviously should not be considered as a negative critique because something can obviously still have great merit in being contingent. In fact, at times it can even have a greater merit than uh, the necessity because it can open up new threads of understanding. And then finally, and I'm going quick here, uh, finally the comment, uh, at first it seems that this is a historical narrative of cause and effect, but you make it clear that this is not the case. Uh, and no easy cause and effect reasoning can be taken up here in this uh, tale of the formation of the modern self. So can you please answer uh, or comment these questions of mine? Absolutely, thank you. So uh, on, on the first part, I mean, my, my basic claim is that um, the, the modern philosophers worked through uh, certain templates of the self that were inherited from the ancient and the medieval world, um, and that, but in each case, these got transformed in modernity because of the particular um, issues uh, that gave rise to the modern world. Uh, so, just to go through them briefly, I mean, the Augustinian, um, obviously going back to Saint Augustine, uh, it, his his concept of the self is the self has fallen. Um, Augustine says quite remarkably at one stage, you know, there was only one uh, truly human being, and that was Jesus of Nazareth. Um, uh, by, by which he means that the human being was the, the kind of that which was created, but then fell, and the only kind of, so to speak, non-fallen human being after the after in, in the post-Lapsarian world was Jesus of Nazareth. And so the only way to salvation was through this figure of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and, and that was, uh, you know, and, and that was true what his notion of grace that, that mm. through Jesus of Nazareth you get certain grace that, that brings you to salvation. Mm. 
Um, but what's important, and I, and, and I stress this because it, 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 it gets transformed in modernity, what's important is that grace for, for Augustine strengthens freedom. Um, the supernatural desire is part of the nature of the human being. The nature of the human being is to have this supernatural desire for um, uh, that kind of prelapsarian uh, reality. Um, and that the, the freedom to sin in, in Augustine's term was a paradoxical one because it was a freedom to enslave oneself to worldly desire. Um, now, in, in modernity, get that, 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 that gets transformed, and we see this very clearly in the debate between Luther and, and Erasmus, where uh, Luther, um, you know, in a fundamental way, opposes um, freedom to grace, opposes nature to, super, to, super, to supernatural. Um, and, and what we see in this transformation of Augustine is, as I, as I understand it, that the origins of modern dualism. Mm. So the origins of modern dualism is not the, the body-mind dualism. It's rather uh, the dualism of grace uh, and, 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 and freedom or mm. the, the natural and the supernatural. Mm. Um, uh, so, so that would be the, the first thing. The Pelagian, Pelagius was a kind of an opponent of Augustine. Uh, Pelagius uh, believed that uh, grace was given in creation. The fall was purely a contingent matter. It was purely a sin of Adam, but it had no uh, direct effect on human beings, except it gave an example. Adam was kind of an example of a bad example, so to speak. And so we needed Jesus of Nazareth as a good example. Uh, but but and the crucial point for Pelagius was that uh, the human being had the capacity within themselves to reach salvation. And this becomes you know very uh, crucial within modernity. This idea of the kind of the self-assertion of the self um, that uh, that it, it, that who has within himself the capacity to become complete. Um, and, and then in terms of the, the ancient world, the Stoics, obviously, uh, you know, in, in the Stoic uh, account, the world is, is determined. Uh, fortuna, fortune, good or bad fortune is something that happens. We have no control over it. Um, and we cannot make our happiness dependent upon those things. And, and our passions arise from our misdirected um, uh, obsession with external goods right so mm. so that we when we when we we fix on external goods we we feel fat passions and the ideal is to is to is to um to rid ourselves of those passions mm. in modernity as i read it and i think this is particularly you you can see this particularly happening in descartes um the, 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 this gets transformed in a very interesting way the, the, there's a very strong emphasis in early modernity on the stoic uh, notion of self-mastery but this self-mastery becomes extended out into nature. Mm. So the, the mastery of the self is, is understood as requiring the self to become um, less vulnerable to the external world. And, and, that, uh, and, and one does that by mastering nature, as, as Descartes says, says, says quite uh, explicitly. Um, and then the skeptic was very interesting in skepticism. Skepticism, as you know, I mean, there's two forms in the, <clears throat> or two, two main forms in the ancient world, the academic uh, skeptics and the Peronian. Um, what's interesting in modernity is the, so, and, and, and the basic, uh, I mean, we could talk a long time about the distinction between the two, but 
the, the, the Peronian really stresses the uh, suspension of judgment as, a, mm -hmm. as opposed to any act of doubt. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and, and for the Peronian, uh, anxiety arises when one um, states a belief um, that is as if it were certain when it is not. Mm. Um, and so, so they developed this method of showing how for any judgment you can show the opposite to be equally plausible. Mm. Now, what's really interesting is what that leads you to for the for Sextus Empiricus is um, a state of tranquility. When you suspend judgment, you're in a state of tranquility, and he, he refers to this as aporia. Mm. Uh, so a state of aporia where you, you literally uh, <clears throat> neither way is open to you. Um, the, when Sexus Empiricus gets translated in early modernity, aporia and, and all the different kind of um, uh, word, verbs and, 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 and declensions of that um, become translated with dubio or mm. uh, uh, declensions of dubio. So in other words, <clears throat> aporia becomes doubt. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and again, we see this in, in Descartes, the um that doubt leads not to tranquility but to anxiety mm. you can see this very clearly at the end of the first and beginning of the second meditations where he expresses this uh is this over overwhelming um emotion of of, of anxiety within you know that, that that comes from the skeptical movement mm. so so what's what's interesting to me here is in, in in all of these cases you have these kind of templates that get transformed in the modern world um, in in very interesting ways and the and the way in which the self gets constructed is in in so to speak in in the different ways in which the, these philosophers take up these templates and mold them mm. and combine them um, in, in 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 various ways leading finally to uh, to Kant who in my reading in this case as in many other cases Brings about a synthesis mm. of these uh, of these different um, of these different ways of thinking. Um, I mean, you ask, uh, would would the philosophers in question have accepted these templates? Probably not. I mean, I, I, Montaigne would certainly have been quite, I think, um, um, uh, open to being understood as a Peronian uh, to some extent. Um, but the precise ways in which I, I work through these templates in these philosophers, I doubt <laughs> if they would necessarily recognize themselves or only recognize themselves partially. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, <clears throat> I think that's, um, that's part and parcel of, of doing history philosophy. I mean, as you mm -hmm. suggest, that the contingent <clears throat> often kind of brings out possibilities of interpretation that may mm -hmm. not have been uh, available for the philosophers themselves. Um, and I think th that's part and parcel as well of trying to do what I'm, what I try to do is kind of recontextualize the philosophers in their time, which is, which is an ambiguous process because on the one hand, it means thinking them in terms of their own concerns and, and what was going on within their worlds, but also because we, we see their world from a different perspective. We mm. see it in, a, in, in, um, uh, perhaps differently than, than how they they saw it. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, I I I I I employ the um, the, the terms of uh, Reinhard Kosselek, a, a mm. German 
uh, historian talks about the you know the space of experience and the horizon of expectation mm. and that every every you know not just philosopher uh, but every historical figure can be understood within that within the, the 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 kind of the space of the of the past so to speak the experience they come from and the horizon which they of their expectations mm. um and i think but but when we so to speak from, coming from our perspective we have our own kind of horizons of expectations and our own space of experience so so the 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 interpretive process is a kind of a is it is i guess in a Gadamerian sense a kind of mm. a fusion of horizons where one kind of fuses those two and brings them into some sort of dialogue mm. yeah and so, <clears throat> that, that kind of just to, to, to finally just kind of briefly say something about the the comment you made at the end about cause and effect because that mm -hmm. relates to that i mean you know history works dynamically um there is no uh a simple cause and effect mm. mechanism uh, but rather i think you know experience and expectation mm. Um, uh, you know, transform one another. Um, and um, and so what I what I did try to do was to to see each of the philosophers in terms of their their particular kind of experiences. Say Montaigne's experience of war, or Descartes' experience of the darkening of Europe in the seventeenth century, or Descartes of the of the of the critical age, and. Um, and so I, I think it's it's really about how they they you know it re respond to those those times while at the same time you know posing these fundamental philosophical questions that they do um, and and drawing on the the intellectual her inheritance which they you know uh, which they have at their disposal. Mm, yes. Okay. Thank you for this uh, very clear. Uh, answering and commenting on my questions and and like you said it's not because it's it's contingent that for that reason it is a negative way of reading it, it opens up a whole new way of seeing these modern uh, authors that might might be stuck by always reading them through the same glasses so sometimes putting on different glasses opens up a whole new world so i agree mm -hmm. with you on that now turning to the self itself uh, there seems to be a clear direction in the understanding of the self, starting with Montaigne and ending with Kant. Namely, it goes from a relatively serene self to what you already mentioned now in, in answering the, the previous question, to this anxious and, and a desiring self that ultimately fails, though. The serene self ends up almost as a tragic self, living a tragic life, but hoping or trying not to give in to despair. Am I too harsh in this reading of the narrative line of your book? No, I think I think I think that's fair. I mean, I think, um, uh, and and again, I mean, uh, I, my my background is uh, in in Heidegger. I mean, I did my my PhD in Heidegger, and Heidegger never really leaves you when you spend a number of years working through him. And so, the the, the notion of Stimmung, the notion of mood, um, is always kind of in the background for me when I'm when I'm reading. And so. I think yes. I mean, um, there, you know, a certain type of stimulus, a certain type of mood, a certain type of emotional response to the world is 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 evident in in mm. in these in these thinkers for sure. Um, and I, and I think it's it's um, it, you know you, we, we we start with uh, with Montagne who has a remarkable serenity. I mean, given given his time um, mm. and given the the turmoil of his time, but it's really is a kind of a this this move within 
um, um, it gives him that, but it gives him that because he is quite um, at, at home and quite at ease with relativity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, he, he'll say, you know, I, I, all I really know is myself um, mm -hmm. and, and, and my own experience. When we get to Descartes, of course, that's, and, and I think, you know, it's really important to read Descartes in, in relation to Montaigne. And because you can see Descartes, you know, continually, it seems to me, in debate with, with Montaigne. Um, and, and precisely on this point that if, for Descartes, if we accept Montaigne, then we don't have science. You know, mm. we, we, the, the, and, and so for him, he, he, so to speak, he wants to push Montaigne to the limit in order to, 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 to get within the self that basis of certainty that gives him, you know, with the cogito and, 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 mm -hmm. and, the, and, and so on. Um, and, um, and, and, but, but if we, if we then continue on, if we continue on to, 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 to Kant, I think what we see is the, the strong uh, role of skepticism within, mm -hmm. within the modern self, you know, and, and, and then Descartes kind of tries to, you know, obviously tries to push back the skeptical, but it's very strong uh, when we, when we, when we get to, um, uh, when we get to Kant, but in Kant, and, and this, the contrast to Hume is interesting, you know, Hume takes a, in my view, a kind of almost like a comic view of the, the, the skeptical situation. Whereas for, uh, for, 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 for Kant, it's, it's, it's tragic, I think. I mean, I think yeah. I, I read Kant as a tragic philosopher, right? Because yeah. he, he, he very strongly articulates what, what I term a desire of reason. I mean, I think you, you can see that, you see this in Spinoza as well, a notion of reason as itself desiring and desiring for that which Kant wants to say, wants to say is we're incapable of reaching. Hmm. Um, and um, and and that um, and 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 that's kind of th th that I think you know th and, and that gives us to my point the high point of modernity where mm -hmm. we there's a coming to terms with that with both sides of that equation. You know, on the one hand, this is a strong desire for 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 reason for a rational understanding of the world uh, for a rational framework in the world. On the other hand, a, a recognition of the finitude of mm -hmm. of the human self. Okay, yeah, thanks. Now, I think there's uh, one more important aspect of your book, and, and that is the uh, shattering of the age-old narrative of secularization, that, of, that is, of, of, of modernity having gotten rid of God. I think your book demonstrates very well that this is not the case. Uh, God, in one way or another, but very different than the in the medieval past, God is everywhere. Can you elaborate on this a little bit, please, on, on the presence of God also in modernity? Yeah, I mean, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is uh, one of the uh, one of the things I really I'm trying to to show. Uh, just as a kind of a, a background here, a bit. About my, I mean, I'm 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 not a um, by my, my my main kind of focus of research uh, a research on modern modern philosophy, but I've taught modern philosophy for years and. And, and this book kind of arises to some extent, at least out of my, my, my teaching and, and kind of, you know, working through these philosophers in order to teach them. And what's so striking is that your ordinary undergraduate student 
um, you, it's, uh, they read Descartes and they just immediately assume that he's talking about God because he's afraid of the Catholic Church. And, 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 you know, and you try to disabuse them of this and they look at you really doubtfully, you know. And, <laughs> and, and I think it's because what, what is that, that's the secularization thesis, mm. uh, or at least the, certainly the crudest form, the cruder forms of them are just a bad history, you know, mm. they're, they're, they're reading history backwards. Mm. Um, and, and one of the things I really try to do is, is not to do that, right? is to mm -hmm. read it forward. And when you read it forward, what you recognize is that, um, that modernity arises out of a, out of a theological crisis. Mm. Um, and, and, and indeed, I mean, the, the, the term, the via moderna, were, were, is, is originally a theological designation mm. um, for the so-called modern theology. Um, and, and the key moment of this that I tried to stress in the book is the condemnation of Paris in 1270, mm. uh, at, at 1277, um, where, where you have this kind of beginning of the splitting of the ways between theology and philosophy um, and between a notion of the divinity and, and, and nature. Um, and and what, what comes out of this, is, as I understand them I mean, in very broad terms, is that um, the, the, the divine becomes evacuated out of the natural world uh, gradually. Um, and, um, and so you, you, you then, so to speak, and that's the kind of the, the beginning of a secular divide is that, is that setting up. And we, we see this already in the way in which we say something like Luther divides the supernatural from the natural in his, in his, in his Augustinianism. Um, but what, so what, what then, the, the then becomes, uh, the, the, the question is, is what, wh where, what is the place of God then in, um, um, in the, in the, in the modern world? And, and I think the key, um, the key point here is that what comes out of that split in, or that, um, that crisis in, um, late medieval theology is this notion of of God as a, as a, as a will as a willing God, the voluntarist God, mm. the God who is so removed from the from 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 nature uh, that uh, we cannot anymore read His will from nature. So nature doesn't give us a, a direct insight into into the divine will, um, and uh, and and this you know. The the, the 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 evil demon motif in in Descartes mm. uh, is is I think a manifestation of this of this kind of anxiety with respect of of this god, um, and 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 this I mean you know and again uh, Kant is the kind of the 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 the, the end stage of this um, and and again what's crucial in, in reading Kant is you know each of his three critiques ends with the question of God mm. each of them ends with the the, the, the the issue of the divine and his final work his final published uh, finished public work was was on on religion um and so again what 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 Kant is trying to 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 do is is find um a place once one no longer understands God on the basis of nature. So not you're no longer like the 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 the, the Thomistic move from the kind of you know the the order of things to the divine is no longer open to us. 
Uh, where then uh, does the divine uh, exist for uh, for philosophy and of course for 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 for, for Kant? But but again, this comes back to the question of the tragic. I mean, one answer for that, of course, is well, for Kant, it is it is practical reason. But but of course, for 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 Kant, the 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 God who is the author of the moral world is is also the creator of the natural world. Mm. Um, but 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 that but only a rational faith can lead us to that conclusion. Mm. So so uh, uh, we uh, we we cannot, on the basis of our theoretical knowledge, come to that conclusion. But we have a rational faith in that, and that's and and so what what that gives us then it kind of so to speak for for Kant unifies again, um the uh, uh, the human society and nature, morality, uh, like freedom and nature. Uh, freedom and grace, all of those get unified for Kant in this uh, rational fate um, that uh, that he that he that he outlines. So, I mean, it's 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 a it's a very it's a very big issue, but that's kind of in broad terms how I how I conceive it. Yeah, thank you. No, it's 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 really clear. So, uh, thanks for that. Now, before we conclude, I, I'd like to pick your brain a bit on on a thought that. I had and that didn't leave my mind uh, whilst I was reading your book. Now, as we already discussed, uh, skepticism was one of the main sources for the modern construction of the self. And like you already said, and I think you're right there, it's actually one of the more important ones of the four. Now, if skepticism is of such importance for modern thought, and especially for the construction of the modern self, why is it then that one of the main accusations that is always put towards so-called postmodernism is exactly that of that they are skeptics and mainly that they are skeptics regarding the concept of man. How should we take this accusation against postmodernism in the light of the importance of skepticism in the making of modernism? Is this a false problem? Is it a different form of skepticism? Or is the separation between modernism and postmodernism an artificial divide? So this is something that kept coming back to me whilst I was reading your book and, and I would like to hear your your take on that. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. Um, and there's a lot we could say about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, <clears throat> I mean, what, what, what one thing I think is, 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 is it, what one could, well, the first thing one could say is the skepticism is kind of uh, like the bad conscience of modernity. Right? Mm. I mean, it, it, it's always that which comes back. Um, and you know, and each time you know, plus was tried to kind of push it away, um, and and so in a certain sense, the skeptical is that which is is not um, accepted, is not recognized, um, and um, and so uh, well, um, yeah. So so I mean, that's that, that that's the first thing I, I I guess I'd say. The second thing, though, sp uh, relating specifically to the postmodern is. Um, I, I mean, I mean, and this is a kind of a controversial issue, but I, I don't see there's a divide or separation really between the modern and the postmodern. Mm -hmm. To me, the I, I would read the postmodern as the as the exhaustion of modernity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There have been high um, modernity. Other people have 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 also gone against the concept of postmodernism. I also think it's an it's a no namer and a no nomer. So, but but some people have claimed that instead of calling them postmodernists, we can call them high moderns as well. So or exhausted moderns. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, always this nomenclature is always kind of going to be problematic, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Um, 
I mean, I guess I, I like if we, I, well, I mean, and, and well, again, I mean, to press that problem forward, I mean, of the skeptical as the as the as the bad conscience, I mean, one of the things modernity needs to do is to build its own myth. Right, mm. because I mean, modernity uh, arises out of this rejection, um, and I think it's really important when we think about. It. I mean, we, 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 if we were talking German, we we we'd be talking about Neuzeit, the, the new mm -hmm. time, and this, mm -hmm. this idea of novelty is really is is that the idea of novelty as a value, as as mm -hmm. something positive, is itself new in modernity, um, and so it's so that idea that of of novelty. Um, brings about it its own crisis of legitimacy because um, if if the if, if, if something's new, on what basis do we do we accept it or we recognize it any more than anything else? Um, and um, and 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 this, as I take it, is the is the postmodern critique, right? Mm. That it would, if we think about it in terms of Lyotard and the, and the critique of the meta narrative. Is that you know with modernity, with the breakdown of of of, of the, the, the uh, of of the mythological of the of the of the of the traditional mythology, a new unacknowledged mythology is is set up, a new kind of meta narrative, meta subject, mm -hmm. um, which which itself then gets de deconstructed within mm -hmm. within post modernity, mm -hmm. um, and 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 so in a certain sense, uh, and this is maybe not really answering your question, but in a certain sense, I think what I'm doing could be read in that way as a kind of a postmodern reading of modernity in the sense okay. that I'm trying to recontextualize it mm. um, and, 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 and showing how, you know, the, the skeptical kind of always seems to be bound on itself. Mm. Um, and, um, uh, but, but more specifically then, if you look at, you know, if you go back to the audience, read Montagna, Mm. What you get in Matanya is very close to the to the the type of self you get in postmodern texts. You know, mm -hmm. it's fragmented, it's um, it's playful, um, it's uh, it's 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 uh, the the division of self and other is um, is porous. Um, uh, you know, and 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 so it you know uh, the, 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 that kind of uh, that skeptical self we get in Matanya, I think becomes reaffirmed in uh, in the postmodern. Mm -mm. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, all these divisions, I think it's it's a lazy attitude. And if you want to think complex things, I think you should also be able to think complex times and not yeah. subdivide everything into small categories and then stay with one. But anyway, that's mm -hmm. a, like you said, that's a very long discussion. To conclude, and, and let me turn back to your book. And uh, I think you make an incredibly uh, bold statement in the first page of it. You say, and I quote you here, you say that modernity emerges in and from a crisis of reason, a crisis of faith, and a crisis of world. I think you're spot on, but, and this is my question, considering the nature of the concept of crisis, that is, that it always necessitates to be resolved in one way or, or another, was modernity then capable of overcoming this triple crisis? Or can one say that modernity is precisely the permanence, that is, the persistence, or even the perduring, of these crises, crises thus which are still upon us. You hint at the beyond in your book, at the beyond of these crises. But is this beyond a hypothetical one, 
something that will always be, like they say in French, à venir, to come? Or can one consider it as uh, more concrete and maybe even a real overcoming them? Um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to give a kind of a, a kind of a tentative night on Noah to that. Um, so I think modernity is defined by the crisis out of which it emerges. Uh, and while you're right, I mean, when you think about the, the very notion of crisis is to the cause for decision, I think this decision is necessarily deferred. Um, and this is so because the response to the crisis is a recognition that uh, the world uh, in crisis does not of itself offer a solution. Uh, but at the same time, the response can only repeat in again in different ways uh, what is al already, I think, implicit in the distinct crises of, of faith, uh, reason, and world. Mm. Um, and, and furthermore, I think the energy which drives the crisis drives the, the responses as well. So it's almost kind of like a, a, a dynamic interaction between them. Um, but what I do see is that uh, the, this di dynamic of crisis and response eventually exhausts itself. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, so uh, the, the, because you're asking, like, is the, is the, the crisis of, uh, of modernity always, you know, is that decision always to come? I think it, 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 it is in the sense that it is, it is never reached, it is never, it is never arrived at. But but I do think a certain exhaustion uh, takes place, um, mm. and and to me, uh, the kind of the key motif of this is is, is the Anthropocene, um, mm. because um, it, and, and that's why like I hint at the end of the book, right? I talk about how you know the problems of modernity are no longer ours, mm. um, um, and uh, because. And, and, and because what I think is that the, the world that we are, the crisis that we are working through now are, um, are, are new um, in the sense that, not new in, in, the, in, the, sense of, in the sense of repeating, yes, they repeat the uh, previous crisis, but repeat them in a new key. Mm. Um, and the new key is one where um, we, we're, we're in a situation which is the exact inverse of what modernity claimed mm -hmm. and this is something i think bruno latour uh, uh, you know brilliantly uh, discusses in his book you know we were never moderns in the yeah. sense that that, that that this kind of division between the, the human society and nature uh, between you know the, the natural supernatural all of these divisions um break down uh, uh, you know that the, the, the anthropy shows very clearly uh, the, the, the the fictionality of those divisions um and um and 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 gives us it seems to me um a a, a new a, a, a very different type of crisis to be to 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 be um uh to, to be dealt with um and, and 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 as you know as i point out at the end of the book like the, the, the those things that were foundational for modernity uh, god nature the self the author they've all been declared dead in the past uh, 100 years or so. And I think that what actually died are the modern instantiations of these. Um, so, so the book is in a certain sense, a kind of a requiem for the dead. Um, and in this context, I think Heidegger, again, to go back to Heidegger, his, his account of the, you know, the new beginning, the, the new commencement 
uh, is one that we should take seriously. Um, mm. And um, and, I, and again, I don't think it's incidental that the very question of self-assertion, self-abandonment, um, which we see in the Augustinian Pelagian debate is evident in Heidegger's own response mm -hmm. to this beginning, right? The Selbstbehauptung mm -hmm. of the, uh, the Deutsche Universität on the one hand and Gelassenheit on the other. Mm -hmm. um, and so as I, as I read it, this is, um, you know, what, what, we're, what we're seeing there in Heidegger, and I think we can develop that further. Uh, we can see it in, say, with somebody like Gunther Anders, um is a is a response to a to a to a, a, a new sense of crisis um uh, which as i say is repeats the crisis of the early modernity but in a new in a new register okay yeah thank you so much for this very enlightened if i can use this wordplay uh, enlightened conversation felix uh, for all those who want to have a closer look at Felix's book, and I sincerely recommend it. It is called The Formation of the Modern Self, Reason, Happiness and the Passions from Montaigne to Kant, and it was published by Bloomsbury Academic. Thank you again, Felix. Thank you very much, Christophe. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thanks also to our listeners for having joined us once again here at Picked Voices. And you, dear listeners, if you like our volunteer work here at Picked, you can now also consider supporting us by becoming an active member of our institution. For more information about how to join Picked, please visit our website. And again, if you wish to contribute to this series dedicated to books, maybe by proposing a recent book or even simply by recording your own episode of Bookaholics, please do get in touch. My name is Christoph van Houten. Thank you and uh, bye.